welcome back. Yesterday we were looking at the stock market and I ranted about cell phones and society in general. Today I'm going to, well, the stock market looks like it's, everyone's hyping up that it's going to be ready for another, ready for another plunge, which virtually guarantees that it's going to plunge because everyone's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. Again, they're speculating to pursue profits, but no other goal. So the whole the whole system is based on chasing it, basically puff the dragon. You know, the the Wall Street traders pursue profits the same way a heroin addict pursues his high. That is to say, there's no rhyme or reason to it except for that they know that that's the next thing they have to do. Very, very bad for an economy. It doesn't make for a healthy economy. When you're when you're creating profits for to create something else, that's one thing. When you're creating profits to create more profits, that's cancerous. And it's that type of mentality that is going to cause that's going to result in the sell-off that we'll continue to see today, I guess, because they're hyping up this mentality. And when they hype this up, that signals to other people there that they need to start shorting. So they can get ahead of the sell-off. So they can create profits from even when everyone else is losing money. It's a very, very sick system. Speaking of sick systems, the flu season this year is, well, uh, you know, I guess it's unbelievably bad, I guess. And this is over at time. Here's why the flu is especially bad this year. January 17th, 2018. So this is two weeks ago, three weeks ago. The CD announced a first in its 13 years of flu monitoring. As of January 6th, every part of the continental U.S. showed, quote, widespread flu activity. This is the first year we've had an entire continental U.S. be the same color on the graph, meaning there's widespread activity in all of the continental U.S. at this point, CDC Influenza Division Director Dan, Dr. Dan Jernigan said. It's in a lot of places, and it's causing a lot of flu. So the rest of the article goes on explaining, basically, um, different strains of influenza circulate each year. This year, influenza A, specifically H3N2, is especially prevalent, according to the CDC. In years with predominantly H3 viruses, the country tends to see more serious cases of the flu, especially in young children and elderly adults, as well as decreased vaccine effectiveness, resulting in more total infections and more hospitalizations. Sure, I mean, this absolutely plays into it. Um, they say that since flu season monitoring began on October 1st, 2017, roughly 60,000 samples have tested positive for influenza, either in clinical or public laboratories. The hospitalization rate is currently at 22.7 people per 100,000 U.S. residents. The CDC has called the 2017-2018 flu an epidemic, but note that it technically meets that designation just about every year. Which is... Uh, what's the point of having a, a, a measurement like that if, if you're just going to hit it all the time? It's like Homeland when the Homeland Security things went off, and, and it's like, oh yeah, we're never going to go below yellow. Why even have green and blue then? You know, just make yellow your beer small, like McDonald's. Why are you selling me a medium and telling me it's a small? 
it's not the medium of anything at that point. It's a meaningless word. And but but there's another aspect to this that I don't think they mention in this Time magazine article because it's very very mainstream and you can't talk about things that are happening. Like climate change and influenza, the likelihood of early and severe influenza seasons following warmer than average winters. This is a scientific research paper over at uh, Plus Influenza, Plus Current Influenza. is published in January 28th in 2013. Not new research. The American public, this is from the Science Daily summary of it, quote, the American public can expect to add earlier and more severe flu seasons to the fallout from climate change, according to a re research study published on, in uh, Plus in Current Influenza. Quote, it appears fewer people contract influenza during warm winters, and cause, this causes a major portion of the population to remain vulnerable into the next season, causing an early and strong emergence. And when a flu season begins exceptionally early, much of the population has not had a chance to get vaccinated, potentially making that flu season even worse. Goes on to talk about the 2011-2012 flu season, the 2013-2014 flu season. And then we had last year's exceptionally warm winter, and everyone it was, you know, people were joking, oh, well, if the winters are always this warm, then bring on the global warming. Bring on the climate change. And it's foolish. You know, I, 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 make jokes to make yourself laugh. You know, if, if that's what it takes in this, in this world where it's pretty bleak a lot of the time if you actually look at things. If you look at the human situation, it's, it's pretty bleak a lot of the time. If you look at the, the reality of the situation and uh, you can look past all of humanity's foibles and see life for life. It's not that bad in the grand scheme of things. But so tell, tell jokes to make yourselves laugh. But climate change is deadly serious. People are dying today as a result of the, the environmental changes um, associated with climate change. And we can now say with... Some, you know, we had the models in 2013, we can say with some certainty now, or at least some certainty of correlation that warmer winters precede worse flu seasons. But there's another thing that, that really makes this all so much worse in America. And that's the policies that we, that we uphold. Um, this is a, just an NPR article here. The Liberian elbow bump is good. Is your good friend during flu season? Yeah, you know, handshakes are not. We would probably be more sanitary by going back to the old Roman standard of grabbing the other, grabbing someone by the inside of their thigh or by their testicles. A little exclusive for women, and we're trying to do, do away with that type of sexual assault. But in terms of hygiene, that would be a better option than the handshake. Especially because it seems in this country not everyone is accustomed to watching, washing their hands all the time. I would go on to say that hand washing is also, excessive hand washing is also part of the problem. 
excessive uh, sterility of our of our environments, this desire to keep everything pure and to avoid dust and all this type of stuff, the stuff that actually makes our immune system function well. But that's just a cultural thing, handshakes. Yeah, we can do away with them, elbow bump, fist bump. Those are easy ways to, you still have to hold on, to grab doorknobs and things like that. And if people are not washing their hands, sneezing right into their hands instead of their elbows, all this, then you're, you're still likely to get exposed. So it is good to wash your hands within reason. You're washing your hands raw, then you're actually you're doing away with a lot of the protection that's on the outside. That that you know, our skin is the largest organ in the body, and it's our one of it's our first line of defense against um, invaders. But but that's just cultural. There are real legal. There are policy things that make the flu season worse in America. Many states don't. Uh, don't mandate paid sick leave. There's a op-ed over at Brookings.edu, the Brookings Institution by Eleanor Krauss and Isabel V. Sawhill. The flu is awful. A lack of sick leave is worse. On February 5th, 2018, the Family and Medical Leave Act celebrates its 25th anniversary. As the first and still only piece of federal legislation enabling workers to care for a new child, an ill family member, or serious personal illness without jeopardizing their employment, it was a critical first step. However, the FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, although it seems like a an FML thing, you know, mm, my life. Anyway, however, the FMLA only provides workers with up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave for these purposes and only applies to those firms with 50 or more employers, employees. Many experts on both sides of the political spectrum have advocated for a federal paid leave policy that would enable workers to meet the oft-competing demands of work and family. And life, I would say. Paid family leave even received a brief nod in President Trump's first State of the Union speech. But the problem is with their with what they're proposing, with what Ivanka's proposing, is that they're trying to take money that we've already paid in to earn benefits and they're trying to allocate it for maternity leave and all this. And that's really not how it's another it's a it's a good way of seeming like it's a very politi- it, it's a politically popular move, or it should it can be seen as one because you're helping mothers and all this. But going after Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid is a really bad way to go about it. These are programs that need expanded to cover more Americans, not cut so that we have to cover the same number of Americans while uh, you know with with fewer funds. And not cut by raising the retirement age. Sick leave can't come at the expense of our our social insurance. It has to be part of the social insurance plan. And we have to expand our social insurance plans so as to cover paid sick leave. Back when Ebola was the big talk of the town, back in uh, 2014, everyone suddenly became aware of Rick Perry's state's lack of paid medical leave. Now, with both the Ebola and flu, when you have most of America working in 
service industry jobs, particularly um, stocking things in this grocery store or preparing food at fast food restaurants, bussing tables, go down the line, you're inter- you're interacting with a lot of things that other people are then going to interact with. So you wake up one morning with the sniffles and you have to ask yourself, am I going to lose a day, maybe two days of wages if I'm scheduled for both jobs today because of the sniffles and go to the ER because let's say it's, it's 2018 and so the individual mandate has been gutted and you don't have to buy health insurance. So your options are to go to the ER or go to work with the sniffles. That might be the flu, might be Ebola. Which do you think you're going to do? Everyone goes to work, right? Everyone goes to work. No one loses two days of wages because of the sniffles. Now it is the flu and it is Ebola and your first job stocking Walmart, you've handled, you know, ironically, every, uh, all of the children's health, uh, all of the children's medicine, all the children's vitamins. So now ironically, unironically, unfunnily, a mother comes over, handles all this stuff, grabs their Shamu or Flintstones or whatever the hell-shaped vitamins they are for kids these days, vitamins, and um, and now is in direct contact with the flu or Ebola. They go home and they give their kids one of these vitamins, and now the kid is exposed, and the cashier, and you know anyone else down the line. This is how epidemics happen. If you take public transportation to work, now you've exposed every single person on that bus to whatever you have. And then, and then you know, now let's assume that mommy takes the kid and the infected vitamins over to the grandparents' house because mommy has to go to work because you have to have, you know, two parents working two jobs in the household in order to take care of your soon-to-be sick kid. And now grandma's infected with whatever you, with whatever you, uh, Woke up with the sniffles with. And now grandma has to die because that's what that's what's been happening. You know, that's that's how it works, apparently. Because the employers couldn't let a sick day go. And the rich can choose to take an Uber or drive to work or, you know, otherwise isolate themselves. You know, maybe they can work from home. Because they're high enough in the on the totem pole somewhere. You know who can't work from home? Anyone in the service industry, the majority of America. It's not just inhumane to allow employers to go without offering any sort of sick leave or maternity leave. It's bad policy. It's bad health policy. It's bad economic policy. Because then you get down to how many people have we infected now in this story? And how many lost hours of work is that? Rather than if one worker had just been able to stay home for one day to determine whether it was the flu or not, the worker's wages are now going to end up being spent on ER care anyway. How much potential loss to the economy when that children when that child who's been exposed dies? We seriously have to look at our health policy and realize that it's that it's that it's we cannot have a, a well 
a lean, well-functioning economy, like, without comprehensive family leave, paid sick leave, and, you know, then and it all needs to be part of this, a major social insurance program that began with Social Security and Medicare but cannot end with them. And a large part of this has to be expanding Medicare for all so that people aren't going to the emergency room. This has been Troy Miller wasting his breath telling you stay well, wash your hands, but not too much. If you can, if you get the sniffles, stay home. Listen to more of my podcast while you're doing it. This has been Waste of Breath Radio with Troy Miller. Remember to share, like, comment, tell me why I'm wrong, and tune in next time.